You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves, delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us, and we should treat them the same way, with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth, or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Today's guest has made over a dozen appearances on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, He is the founder of the Institute for Greatly Endangered and Rare Species, T-I-G-E-R-S, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and is the owner of Myrtle Beach Safari in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Today's guest from The Tiger King is Bhagavan Doc Antel. Can you hear me? I can. How you doing? Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining uh, joining me this afternoon, bro. Glad to be on. Glad we got to put it together. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for your patience. Um, chatting here with Doc Antle from Myrtle Beach Safari, which I would probably, is it, is it the premier uh, cat visitation spot in, in the U.S., would you say? In the world, by far. There's no place like this. You know, there we just have this fabulous location that people can have such a grand time at that is really a palace for the wildlife in our care. And it looks really higher end. It looks more like the four seasons of uh, Animalia over there by you, whereas opposed to, you know, you look at, you know, a place like Joe Exotic is running more of like a, still a beautiful place, but a little bit more, you know, something you'd see at like maybe like a rural carnival or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's the opportunity of time and money. For us, this is the going 39 years of doing this. Wow. You know, I had the blessing of engaging in the biz and being around. Started working uh, so heavily in the 80s and 90s, work in Hollywood and doing stuff. And we made Ace Ventura and Jungle Book and Dr. Doolittle and 500 movie and television projects over the, around the world. And all that led me to a different vision of how to do it and the financial opportunity to create something that could have that five-star appeal. Joe just yeah. never, never had the time, never had the money, and I am in this glorious spot that is one of the hot spots of tourism in the world here in Myrtle Beach. And we get oh, yeah, 20, beautiful. 20 million people come here every year, so it's so filled with people looking for adventure and opportunity from all over the world. The middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, is a hard place to do something. There's only three things that matter, right? Location, location, location. Location. 
Amen, man. You guys have a great location over there. Uh, a lot of people, when they watch you in the Tiger King documentary, they see not only a man that's able to really wrangle pets, but also a man that's really ra uh, able to wrangle uh, females. You know, I think a lot of men were impressed. A lot of men, I'm, I'm a man, you know, for now, but uh, I live in Hollywood. You never know what they're going to try to do to me, but... A lot of men were just as impressed with your ability to attract females as to attract, you know, this sort of Tarzan atmosphere uh, with the animals. Um, does does the way you relate to women and the way you relate to animals is there any uh, is there is there some similarities there? No, I mean, come on, I'm a single guy. I was married, you know, 25 years ago, but I'm a, I'm a single guy. I got girlfriends. They 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 yeah. come and gone over the years. I mean, it can't be unique that I have girlfriends. It's just that they got put on a screen and said this and that. And then they included all of my uh, son's uh, fiance and my grandson's <laughs> kids and my granddaughters and everybody else. They're like, look at that lineup of all those ladies. <laughs> those ladies are, are my relatives and or the significant others of my staff and my friends and stuff that are here helping me out. I see. So that so the documentary really they tacked on a few extra ladies to your um to your tiger tail, I guess. Yeah, I mean the count was just like going up like bodies hit the floor there, like, oh my god, there's seven, nine, eleven. It's, it's yeah. something there. It's crazy land. You know, I, that's not how it goes by any means. Um, you know, and the tales of woe that somebody wants to say, or just the judgmental insanity of people's yeah. Oh my God! This guy's got girlfriends. What on earth? That that is part of Americana for me. Amen. No, I agree. Look, I think a lot of men, a lot of people were probably jealous. If even at the the assumption of it, did you get a lot of people reaching out saying that's wrong? You shouldn't have uh, that type of uh, lifestyle. Like, did you get a lot of lifestyle judgment? Lifestyle judgment stuff, and just somehow that the ladies are are very young and are taken advantage of. Be, and all from oh, the, yeah. the, the drither that was coming out of the one unique character's mouth that talked on there. The girls that are here, these are women in their 40s, you know, rolling up on 50. Those are the key characters that yeah. help run the preserve. These aren't teenagers that are walking around here. Granted, some of them have been here for decades. But these are girls that operate this facility that are kick-ass, lion-tamer girls who hold their own and have been doing so and operating the facility um, autonomous from me. I don't even have to be here and they can make it roll along and have everything work out. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, no, it definitely seemed like a lot of tough women there. Um, a lot of, you know, uh, confident, confident ladies. What is it about a cat that women love a cat? What is it about a cat? I mean, it just is this incredible symbol of beauty, power, and grace. A tiger is the sexiest thing in the world. It's covered in that incredible primordial calligraphy, those amazing stripes against that mm -hmm. super orange background. It's like an unreal superhero character. Everybody's kind of got a vibe of loving tigers. And when you see one in person, it just carries forward. It makes people mm -hmm. excited. People want to get their hands on them. And when you get the incredible opportunity that I've gotten, and some of the senior staff that are here where you have great big 600 to 922 pound tigers come up and lay their neck on you and rub, uh, rub, rub. And you can hold yeah. them and walk with them. You know, there's the girls that jump on their back and they run off and they ride them. This is an <laughs> unbelievable privilege. It's just you are communing with a slice of 
nature in its greatest. It's a reflection. In a tiger's face, there's like a reflection of nature at its purest. You're looking out at the eyes of God in a way when a tiger's staring into your face. It is what I call God's greatest paint job. Uh, just a, a fabulous mm. kid. And they're incredible when they're little because they're just miniature tigers. They look just like big tigers, which is so unique, you know. Not a lot of little things look just like the big things. Oh, yeah. They've just got that super appeal when they're young and people have the opportunity to meet them and interact with them. And it's a bucket list. What so many people put right up. Oh, yeah. there. I want to see a tiger and they want to see a big tiger. A lot of them think, man, I want to pet a big tiger. Now, you know, I've heard you talking a little bit watching your show. I've been watching, you know, the King of the Sting and, and, and you're. Oh, yeah. King of the Sting. Uh, you know, some people are a little hesitant. They think that a, a tiger is going to do something incorrect. But our big tigers are fabulous guys. You know, we did it. We made Jim Carrey look like the pet detective. We made Eddie Murphy look like Dr. Doolittle. It's that we have a great relationship with these unbelievable big predators. And we're able to have them interact with us and act as though they are tame. They're not. I certainly don't think anybody should take one home. They do not make yeah. pets. They're not something that I think the untrained should do anymore. And you should be out uh, doing, you know, driving a, a race car 250 miles an hour like the pros do. Yeah. It's something that takes time to learn how to do and decades of, of devotion and understanding, which most people never gather. Yeah. When those people, and most people don't have the opportunity to, you know, and yeah, it's definitely like, I think that's one of the most fascinating things about uh tiger King documentary and just learn for, for a lot of the nation to learn about you kind of, you know, cat liaison men who are able to really interact with these animals is that it, that so many people just don't have that opportunity to be that bridge between hum humans and just cat them, you know? Yep. And, it's, it, it's just something that is very complicated, right? It's not something simple to do. Um, and you see people like Carol, who's a fool with her cats. She got out there. She tried to hug and kiss them and play with them. It all fell apart. That's the normal story. Joe mm -hmm. certainly um, has had a bunch of big cats around. But as they matured and became older cats, it, almost all the relationships have fallen apart. The rest of the characters on the show, none of them have those great relationships with big adult cats outside of enclosures where they're freely interacting and doing what we do. Do you see my son, Cody? I think you have seen him, that modern yeah, yeah. Tarzan man that's out there with gigantic adult tigers, wrestling, riding, swimming, playing, the same as I did for, for my whole youth, and I still do all the time now. He's just the, the flash and the beautiful guy out there making it <laughs> like it's so simple. But that is super rare. He's one of a kind left in the world. Yeah. Was it like 13 million people following him on social media? He has such a unique presence and such a fabulous thing going on that's different than anybody else. Yeah, he's able to really get out there and interact with those cats. I mean, I definitely noticed that. I was, check I was checking out some of his YouTube videos yesterday. Um, when, when you look at the documentary, do you see, like, where did they go wrong? Like, are there things that obviously they blew out of proportion? I mean, obviously they, you know, tried to classify or make it just vaguely look like your your uh, granddaughter could be, one, you know, a woman you're dating or something. But what else did they do? What else did they capture wrong? Or what else did we not get the true story on when you look at it? I mean, the huge line they stepped over was there at the end, bringing up on the black screen that they have asked me about, um, some inappropriateness with tiger cubs, and I haven't answered. When in fact, I, these guys talk to me for 
maybe five full days of filming and three or four half days. They asked me every question in the world. 99% of them had nothing to do with anything that was going to become Tiger King. And they just pick and chose little pieces. Of course, I run this incredible world-class operation. I have tiger cubs that live with me, cradle to grave. No tiger babies are ever going to be euthanized or ever going to be uh, pushed out of the way. They're incredibly precious to us, all the way yeah. from what they provide us to just their very nature to they have hyper value. They're super rare. We are reproduced oh, yeah, tigers rare. that have all been genetically tested from the time they're young and from their grandparents and great grandparents. And we genetically test them to know that these are some of the most genetically diverse tigers on earth. The only mm. ones left on the planet with this genetic makeup. We've done wow. this through world-class genetics that, that continue to work for us, with us. And those guys have been able to see this incredibly rare opportunity that we have. And this is a bank against the potential eventual extinction. Tigers are super rare. Now they're on their oh, phone. yeah. I never see a tiger. You can go buy a tiger. Well, that's just a complete joke. I cannot go buy a tiger. I know everybody that's ever been around. 99% of everyone who ever used to do it is gone. There is no one that has a tiger for sale that you can solicit and find. It is a mm. felony. It, you know, yeah, you can buy some heroin, I guess, somewhere, but it's a heck of a step to go and illegally yeah. be involved with whoever it is to, to move and sell any kind of super illegal product. And that's what a tiger would be. And they got that. Is there call. a black market? Is there a black Virtual, market for not them? Not in America. There's a black market in Laos or Cambodia or, mm -hmm. you know, places in Southeast Asia where people still readily consume tigers. The greatest threat the tiger has is being consumed by people who think that the incredible power and grace of the tiger will be given to them somehow by eating its parts and pieces all the way from its testicles to its whiskers, a different part, oh, yeah. give you a different vibe and, and fix you up. But in America, a tiger cub is precious and amazingly rare. There is no surplus of tiger cubs in North America. There's virtually no one doing anything with cubs except the characters on the film, of which most of those people are, are out or on their way out. They no longer on have a license. Out. You know, there's, there is no more Tim Stark. There is no more of a number of those characters. And if they're not, they're right on the precipice of falling off. Mm. We've never had a single violation of any kind. And at the end, they also said we were raided. We were not. Yeah, yeah, raided. you guys had that raid. Ra in December, it they said you guys had a raid that came through there, Doc, what, for the what cats. What a joke. We had an inquiry from Virginia uh, magistrate there who wanted to get some DNA from some lion cubs that we had. And so. And what are they doing with the DNA, do you think? Somebody in Virginia is having a meltdown case with them about animal rights thing in a, in a small hometown zoo that they don't like and they want to close it down. They have closed it down. He didn't explain to them in some capacity what they, what they wanted to hear about some baby lions that were born there. Mm -hmm. Lions were born there. He called me and said, I have lions I can't take care of. Would you take them? I would be happy to give them to you. They said, yes. My daughter got in the car, picked them up, and brought them back. Completely legal transaction. Everything's mm -hmm. peachy. But he didn't tell anybody what he did. He didn't explain it right. He got in some beef with them, and they came down here to say, do you have those lines? And I said, yes. They said, we, we believe you, but we have to have inequivocal proof. We've got to know that that's the lines. Let's take DNA from those lines, 
and we'll be on our way. I was never found or even questioned of doing anything wrong, or having stepped mm. over any line of any kind. We're just here so with our wildlife, having this amazing setup go on and just trying to make things smooth so the guests can see us and everybody have the greatest experience. Yeah, it seems wonderful. We're, it we're seems toasted up a little bit because of the COVID, just like everybody. Yeah. You know, we, um, we're waiting for Is that. Is it affecting you guys' business? Say again? Is that affecting you guys' business right now, the COVID? Oh, yeah, we're 98% down. You know, there's no doubt. The whole thing is um, definitely shifted in capacity um, to the Myrtle Beach, the town of Myrtle Beach, which can have yeah. 150,000 hotel rooms. You can't rent a room. It's closed up. Wow. And you can come so, here, Cody. Oh, Cody's there? Cody was walking in. I know he's out taking a walk. He was going to come say hi and see what was happening. What's happening? He's got some big footsteps. Give me a while, man. Who's this? Oh, come here. Yeah, looking good. Looking good. Who's that? Right there? That right there. And What's up, dude? Gang What's gang. up, Cody? Gang, bro. Oh, that's a beautiful animal right there. What is that? This is Volley the Chimp. One of Cody's brothers that hangs out with us here and is hanging around. He's uh, He just goes out and plays. He comes in every evening and has a big dinner party with us and hangs around, has a lovely time doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. How 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 long is he? How long yeah, is his body? Oh, he's got a nice hand. <laughs> he's a big guy. He's well over 100 pounds. He's about four feet tall. He's, uh, he's going on nine years old. And Cody and Doc, do you guys, in, in interacting with animals so closely, especially here like Volley, does it make you feel more like evolution, or do you still think that there's a that there's a uh, there's a, a religious element? Like, what kind of comes into your soul when you're this close to animals? I mean, I think that there is potentially a creator to the universe, right? I believe that there's right. some kind of divine fingerprint that helps organize us all out. Uh, I don't know that anybody's down there doing day to day calls on uh, how we behave. <laughs> But I think that there is something spectacular in what was made up and how it all happened. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I got a question. Volley, do you think that uh, Carol Baskin had anything to do with her husband's disappearance? That's really what I think a lot of people want to know. Um, <laughs> he's running up now. He's, he's, he's over there wrestling with Cody. Hey, guys. I uh, hate to interrupt this episode, but I need to tell you about Keeps who is supporting this past weekend, it is Keeps. And you can support them and support our podcast. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness. And that's where baldness comes and gets at you, gets at your head. By the time they are 35 years of age. Huh. So right around that age edge, you got that MPB looking for you, son. That male pattern baldness. The good news is, with today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and help you keep the hair you have. And that's one thing that's critical. And that's one thing that I love about Keeps is that it's helping me hold on to what I got. Now, a lot of people think, okay, let's, let's regenerate, let's do this. But let's start with keeping what you have. Keep. You don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of, me, some of you have, may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. That's what Keeps does. Keeps is offering you that price. Prevention is key. Keeps treatment really works. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. That's the game plan. 
Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. If you're ready to take action, and you should be, you should be. Hold on to that mane. You want to hold on to that man. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Theo, T-H-E-O, to receive your first month of treatment for free. I mean, what else can you ask for? That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash T-H-E-O. If you're wondering about your hair, if you're worried about your hair, you're wondering about your hair and wondering what you're going to look like if you lose it all, then then eliminate that from the equation and, and use Keeps. It works. Support this past weekend, keeps.com slash Theo. He took your coat off and stood in the rain. You're always crazy like that. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that old song by Jewel or Jewel or Jew, Jewel, Jewel. But, um, but man, I'll never forget that Postmates fellow that came. It was raining and he... You know, I shared about it on my Instagrams, but the man was just, he was there and he was gone and then I was alone. I had food, but, you know, my heart was still empty. But it could be different for you if you try Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito, if you want that rise and shine in your freaking face hole. Or if you want that hit of wine after work, huh? You want that tangy berry juice after work. You want that freaking grape cape, bro. You know what I'm saying? You want to get wind up and feel like you're Superman or Superwoman. Sometimes whatever you want, you need it delivered fast. And that's where Postmates comes in. Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make your life easier, especially these days. You know, maybe going out to the market, you're concerned about getting, you know, about flu symptoms or this or that. But Postmates can help. Grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery, convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store, no more late night stealing mom's car, you know, driving 200 miles to get a waffle. Don't worry. Don't live like that. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. And if you you already have it, download it again and support this past weekend. Because we have this offer for a limited time. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code WEEKEND. That's code WEEKEND for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Don't even put your shoes on. Don't get in the car. Don't get on the skateboard. Post made it. Don't get in your hot air balloon and crank that thing up because you're going to get a slushy or a snow cone. Post made it, bucko. Have them bring it to you and support the podcast. You can do it. Just go to postmates.com, download the app, and use the code WEEKEND. $100 of free delivery credit. With no minimum purchase for your first seven days. And now back to the episode. So, Doc, uh, in, in a video I saw online, Carol Baskin, who's also another, you know, uh, she's another cat owner and uh, farmer that's 
featured in the um, in the documentary. Carol Carol really pushes the envelope of you guys mishandling cub treatment over there. Right, some some crazy illusion of it. You know, the the cub is a super valuable character that is ten. Why? He's, he, because why is the cub so valuable? He creates. Like, why is all? Why is it all about the cubs? Like, everyone's always like the cubs, the cubs, the cubs. Why is that? The real reason is it's just they know it's going to hit the heartstrings of people, so they want to create mm. drama, unfounded, unprecedented, endless drama. People like Carol and Peta just trying to make up a story. Of course, the cubs are super valuable to us as individuals, as characters that hold vital genetics to our ongoing oh, program. Yeah. Almost 40 years where we've been holding these family of tigers together, have known several hundred tigers in that time, trying to have them hold up that genetics, which may in fact save the tiger and, and through mm. that make it that there will even be tigers on the planet in time to come. A baby tiger needs TLC around the clock. You just can't rough them and handle them in some way that's inappropriate. They are cared for round the clock, handled super minimally, you know, they pretend like we're passing them off in a line. 20 minutes. People come, they get a 20-minute interaction three days a week. That's it. One hour. And what, about, and what about when they age out of kind of that sugar realm where people are loving them and, you know, like they start to become, you know, hit the terrible twos, you know, like even like children do. I mean, do you guys, is there is there an underground railroad or something where you guys get rid of tigers at that point? Or is there... You know, I mean, what's you the know, real deal? You see all those those guys that are with Cody. Those are Cody's, uh, you know, brothers and sisters that he's out there with all day. He's got every color, every size, every shape, boys, girls. We continually have a relationship with those guys throughout their life, cradle to grave. They're important characters that on the preserve, we, we swim with them in the huge pool. they got to be great big guys for that. We have a big tiger run where we have a tiger chase high-speed lures. We have... 10 tigers that are set up to go and chase that lure system and be part of the whole interactive part of the tour. And big tigers wow. come out. 22 adults are on our big night safari dinner party. Every tiger has a, a vital importance to us and is like critical characters. Plus this idea that someone would do that, taking a tiger and killing it, taking a tiger and getting rid of it. I wouldn't style. do it. It's a crime. I wouldn't do it unless the tiger attacked me or something. I probably wouldn't do it. No, it's immoral. It's 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 no purpose to it, and it's not going to be something that creates a a, a benefit of business. You need this tiger to right. be there for his genetics, for his beauty, for what he's going to be able to do later, and as an individual, he's a highly important, loving, caring character that. A girl, a boy sat there holding and loving and giving it a bottle around the clock and always being with it. So these are our imprinted fur children in their own way as they are family members. Along. You know, and we have the world's oldest cat was here. The world's oldest bear was here. There are oh, some really? retirees here that are decades old <laughs> and ready to step off the edge and we coddle them along so that they can cross the rainbow. Is Joe Biden the there? I, I feel like Joe Biden should be in there as well, kind of. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he qualifies uh, in that group, maybe. Um, so, yeah, obviously, if you guys were doing anything harmful to animals, it would really harm your business. But why do other why is there such venom between different cat camps where they're like, they're doing this, they're doing this? Why? Why isn't there more of a unified group that we're all doing the right thing, do you feel like? 
has a couple reasons. One, those guys are out there running a gigantic fundraising business to get people to send them money to rescue something in need. So they have to create drama. They have to say, these animals need our help today. You give us a dollar, we'll help make this change. Whether the change is real or not has nothing to do with the equation. That's those right. guys who are pretending to be rescue. You look at my place, it's Shangri-La. Huge open forest habitats, beautiful waterfalls and ponds and space everywhere. You yeah, it's beautiful. I've seen the video online. It's Yeah, some of y'all's videos online, man, it is really, it is beautiful. I feel like I went to like one of the covers on, remember the Jehovah's Witness? They give you that cover of the pamphlet. Well, paradise. And it would have a, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, <laughs> man. You know, and that, and that, and you look at Carol's place. Holy cow. It, it, oh. a, a dungeon. It, it is so low. It's like white slavery over there, too. It has a very white slavery kind of vibe. She, she's making four to five million dollars a year according to her taxes but so it's all donation it is that right what's that but her money is they they're able to earn money through donation right that and the other camps don't do that is that correct right it's a totally separate thing of how they raise that money and what they're doing with it you know and then you got the the activists that are like PETA or a humane society of the United States who are a vegan world order they want everybody to be forced vegetarian they want every human animal interaction to stop. And they will, they say that all zoos are bad. And of course, you can't ride a horse. You certainly can't go get a puppy. Doesn't matter if you yeah. save the pound. Every animal's better off dead. The head of uh, PETA has said that you know a world without puppies would be just fine. I love a puppy. I've had him next to me and with me my entire life. And I think it's essential to get that love and understanding and connection to ourselves and animals to have puppies and to have things around in our life. And they're living on another side. We really also work heavily as a wildlife conservation education organization. We have, we have our own camps in the deep jungles of Sumatra that we hire the rangers for. We've built the stations. We have guys out every day wow. picking up snares, chasing poachers. We deliver drones around the world to anti-poaching teams to fly drones and find poachers. We've put millions of dollars into programs like this. Those characters have never even considered doing things like mm. that. It's completely outside of what they're up to. We're on a different right. page. But then you got this other side that is the, the American Zoo Association, the city zoos. They're running a program where everybody's equal and everybody can care for it. No one there needs to have their hands on a tiger. So they say anybody right. who puts their hands on a tiger is wrong. And they need to be right. More people go to zoos in America than all professional sports events combined. People wow. don't realize there's billions of dollars at stake in zoo visitation. and the I didn't realize that at all. It's huge. The big zoos are raking in phenomenal money. San Diego Zoo keeps, uh, keeps money in reserve of over half a billion dollars just to keep things running. Their overhead is hundreds of millions of dollars. And it wow. runs from the, the public pouring money into it. Because most of the public loves wildlife and wants to see it. From afar, they really wish they could hold it, but most of them don't even realize it's possible to do it safely, securely, and beneficially somewhere. Doing it here yeah. creates a big multi-sided benefit where you get to see the animals and pay for their um, wild project restoration so that they have a place to live. Hopefully, that can mm -hmm. forward as we all make up our mind whether we're going to hold the world for wildlife or if we're going to hold the world for just people because we've got to come up with a decision there for the wild world to be left alone a little bit and everybody wants their slice of it 
because it's everybody also wants that piece. Valuable asset. You know, everything's an asset. Well, it seems if I were an animal, I'd rather live over there with you guys. I feel like because a lot of the zoos are real shithole, honestly. Yeah, they can be. This is this is Volley's brother. Cody went out and he wanted to make it fair, so he went and got Volley's brother here <laughs> and brought Sugriva in. How you doing, Sugriva? How you doing? Yeah, look at those guys right there. What's up, Sugriva? Sugriva, yeah, watch you all the time. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Cody. Yeah, I was just looking at some of your videos yesterday. I got nervous sometimes, man. You and those cats seem real. I mean, it got a little WWE in some of the videos. You guys really are having a good time, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing it since I was a baby. Been doing it since I was a little kid. You're That's great. so brave, man. I got attacked by a couple animals on my birthday once when I was young, and that really set me on a bad course with uh, Animalia. But it's coming around more. I dated a girl that had two cats. <laughs> there you go. Working it up. Working so, your way up. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe one day I'll be able to come there and see you guys. I have a question. How is the documentary? Do you feel like I got scared at the end of watching Tiger King that I said I thought to myself, man, this is really going to put a damper on this this kind of like wild experience that you could have with cats or the most like innate experience you could have with cats. Um do you feel like that at all? Like, or, or at the end, did you feel like this is going to inspire more people to come to these experiences? I hope it lets people think they can, you know, experience it and have and create the benefit for the animals in the wild and for the animals that are here with us. But it is very rare in America. There's very few places that are left doing it. It's very expensive, um, you know, even to consider how it flows and how to start it and operate it. And people don't even have the knowledge of how would how to go about it so it's disappearing it, we we are an endangered species ourselves right now the whole thing is slimmed way up the opposition's being vicious you know they wish to pass laws that would say no um baby tiger could ever be touched by anybody ever again they want to take mm. you right away now it's your right to scuba dive or parachute or you know go 80 miles an hour downhill on skis it, it should be your right to interact with wildlife in any way that you see fit, if you're doing it beneficially for the wildlife, if you're doing it in a safe manner for both yourself and the wildlife, and that oh, yeah. it should be a free choice that everyone has. Um, you know, they would they want to take it away because it would disenfranchise someone like myself. Um, there would be a change in how we went about raising money for the conservation projects overseas. And their ideas of what's right would be better financed, right? Yeah. Listen to the background. It's so, so cool, man. There's a war out there. There's a silly thing called the Big Cat Safety Act, which is just a, a ridiculous law that pits um, private owners from public ownership, where they say, oh, the big public zoos can have big cats. Nobody private can have big cats anymore, which is in America. It's just it's like any out. other business. It sounds yep. like any other business business realm. It's like trying to trying to kill out the little man. I did feel like that at the at the end of the documentary. I worried. I said, "Man, is this going to kill the little man? You know, or, or the middle man?" Because I remember when I was growing up, we had a guy by us that had a couple of animals. I don't even know what one of them was, and we go over there and pet them, you know, and you could see the animals and stuff like that. And I felt like it at least gave me at least a you know, an experience with animals that was close to me, you know, uh, we had, um, by us, we had a, uh, wildlife refuge when I was in junior high and you go there and feed, they got a, um, like a camel or something and all kinds of long animals, giraffe and everything. And, and I'm assuming that once these kind of things move forward, that a lot of, a lot of you guys and those sorts of things would be shut down. 
that that would be the idea, right? Because the opposition ultimately wants to say that you can't have a goldfish, you can't have a leather shoe, you can't you can never have another <laughs> turkey dinner. You know, it's it, they're, yeah. they're all the way to the extreme. The big money, powerful organizations like PETA and Humane Society of the United States are anti all human interaction for entertainment, for pets, or for food. Now, I'm a vegetarian, but I don't think you're supposed to be a vegetarian. You have right. to make that choice yourself. I can't impose upon you my own concepts of mm -hmm. thinking. It's everyone has to make their own free choice. I think that those ideas of somebody trying to legislate a what they think is a moral choice for you is wrong. And that's what a lot of this boils down to is them saying, we know what's best. You know, there's a whole political yeah. concept of we know how you should really behave and be treated. Let us tell you what it is. You can't decide. It's big government. Right. I like having animals in the wild. I like animals. Look, if I go outside, I like having to stay on a swivel, not knowing what's over there, what's over there. You know, it could be an animal, could be a falcon, could be anything. I like, I like that, that, you know, I like the... I like there to be some risk involved in my life, you know. Sometimes everything just becomes this bumper lifestyle that's just too much, you know. It's just, it's just everything's just so. Uh, I like a little bit of freelance opportunity. Yeah, you know, I always have. That's um, America. Moving too. on. I mean, that's how we. Uh, that's what we're founded on is people, you know, we're rolling by the seat of their own pants as they see fit, so long as they're not harming others and that they're doing things. If there's rules, sure, there should be rules. But the rule says you can't. Well, that's not part of the game. It has to be you can, but you've got to do it in a in a thoughtful, right way. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, going back to the documentary, uh, where do you think that Joe um, Joe Exotic would be if it weren't for Carol Baskin today? I think that. Um, He's had a lot of difficulties that have come up. I think there was other difficult things besides Carol. I think that PETA was a real difficulty and a thorn in his side. I think that Joe was too big and imploding in his own way. I think he was taking on so much responsibility of so many animals. And I think that that is um, just a difficulty in itself. There's a certain point that you have to stop. You know, if you can properly care for 100 chickens, then you've got 100 chickens and you built a barn farm and that's how it is. If you add 10 more chickens to there, you start uh, reducing the quality of all 110 chickens now. And I think he was piling it on and that was mm. causing a lot of pain and suffering for him. And that potentially that was going to expand into the staff, into the animals, into other things. It all became tragic in its own way. And it's incredibly difficult to find people that want to help you. So I think yes. he had very difficult staff problems. You know, he was he was really uh, scraping the edges sometimes to find people that he could have do the work there and to try and have the food. It cost me a, a fortune to feed my cats. I have to bring a thousand pounds of food out every day. And if it's not <sighs> that I would eat or I would expect my children to eat, I wouldn't expect a tiger to eat it, but they're grabbing all that old funky meats and secondhand oh, yeah. deliveries and things. And that um, also creates an implosion. Things are unhealthy. Things can't reproduce. Things can't live their best life. You, everybody needs uh, care and quality in their life. 
when you reduce the care, you reduce the quality of the opportunities for them to eat, to sleep, for where they can stay, everything oh, yeah. trips off the edge. So Joe was imploding in his own his own way. And I spoke to him a couple of times saying, Joe, you've got too many parts here. You've got too much going on. You need to worry about the uh, care and the center point here. And was he able to hear that? Like he refer, he's referred to you, or he, in the documentary, at one point he referred to you as a mentor and somebody he really looks up to. Um, was he able to hear that when you were talking to him, when you kind of, uh, when you guys checked in with each other? He was, um, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Okay. Um, he was able to hear some of it, but hearing it and enacting it are two different things. Saying, try and find some qu better quality help. Shoot many restaurants in America that serve fine food cannot find fine servers. You know, many yeah. people that have uh, great businesses have the most difficult time with staff. Joe was at odds trying to have staff. And then he mm. just wanted to be famous. You know, he got his wish. That's the way everybody always needs to think of careful what you <laughs> wish for. Joe's more famous than so he's true. ever going to be right now. You know, for him, I this is the crowning moment in his career. And, and, it, and he's oddly not even free to see it, which is um, yeah, which is such a wild thing. Um, on the documentary, a lot of uh, there seems to be like a lot of like drug use and behind the scenes drug use. And I've used drugs, so I know what it's about. But did you feel like that had a lot to do with some of the things falling apart over there in Joe's world? Yeah, I think when you're using drugs, it's much harder to focus. I and mean, then at times throughout Joe's life, he used enough drugs that he overdosed on a number of occasions, you know, and that he was looking at some pretty hard stuff to be recreational. Recreational, yeah. hard drugs. That's a very difficult thing. <laughs> there might be some recreational alcohol or maybe people have recreational marijuana in their life, but recreational meth, man, you're stepping over no. the line. And meth is a full season crack. game. You can't, yeah, meth is a full season. It's not a pickup game, you know? Meth no, is... Yeah. That's a million quarters, dude. That's a lot of overtimes, man. And then um, a, a lot of people coming to work with him falling into the same trap. How can they possibly provide the care that you would hope? And the people that are continuing in that kind of shadier side of wildlife, um, that part of it is probably the most detrimental thing that can go on. You need that mm. clear head, sharp thinking, and focus to make this work out right. Um. Do, would you ever be able, I would be, I would be scared to be on drugs around a big cat. I would be scared to be on drugs around a big cat. How do you feel about that? I'm scared to be around big cats. If I have allergies going on, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to go out there and have a few <laughs> drinks and see what's happening. That just does not yeah, yeah. This is, this is a on your toes, ready for the serve. I tell people, if you don't feel like you're, you're in a tennis match, and that other guy's getting to throw a hundred mile an hour ball at you right now, but you're not ready for that tiger to open that door. If you open it, yeah. when we open a door, we say, here you go. We open the door right up and we say, how you doing there, tiger boy? Come right here. Come to me. Hold. We, we, we put them together with us. We say, let's follow, walk. We have very organized, very specific relationships that we nurture from the time they're very small. We're mm. the last ones doing this kind of action in America. It's just faded away. Joe yeah, Joe is doing for, it different. He was looking for a tiger that didn't like to bite very often. It's a completely right. <laughs> different thing. Cody has not been chewed up. I have never been yeah. chewed up in my life. Um, 
We have not been harmed on our facility. We've had bumps and scratches and fall down, but we've certainly had far more trouble with people tripping and falling with no cats around than any time a cat hurting somebody. It's just not there. That's not part of what goes on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Joe's over there. He likes cats that like to listen to ACDC and smoke cigarettes. And some of that stuff blew my mind. Like, hey, I even saw a cat putting a uh, Copenhagen in his jaw, you know. Right. It definitely gets a little, a little more risque over there at his camp. But it, it seemed like it was just an every his, – his whole Tiger complex, uh, that GW spot, was just an example of him. It was just – it really is – it behaves the way the owner does, it seems like. Like, each one right. of you guys' camps kind of follows the owner. Very erratic behavior, you know, and yeah. very very much behavior of somehow me, 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 and, and how it's going to reflect, look, and be about me, not about the animals, and certainly not about the big picture that wildlife oh, yeah. desperately needs, the big picture of what are tigers doing in the wild and how are you personally trying to help. And I talked with Joe about that a couple times, trying to get him on that vein. One time he, he got some uh, money and raised it, I think, selling prophylactics, he told me. And he raised oh, yeah. money for rhinos. And he made a donation to International Rhino Foundation so that he could help save rhinos. But it was a one-off. He couldn't keep the momentum. And he, he needed the money for other uh, activities in life, I guess. And he just didn't hold it together. And he got, you know some unscrupulous buddies to come along and I think they tore him down hard um, as he uh, got more diversified in who was helping him run the park. I think yeah. that was probably the most dangerous thing he ever did was uh, bring on more people that were from other Yeah, more camps. partners is trouble. Trouble. Now, he also was Joe, When that, where did you first meet Joe? I first met Joe... Um, at a Feline Conservation Federation meeting about uh, people that have animals and, and how they're going to care for them and what they're doing. I was trying to get it, that organization to be able to experience the wildlife and activities that I have here. Maybe 15 years or so ago, he visited um, because that group was here visiting and he came through the facility and he got to see what we were doing and what was happening. And he made application to try and um, ask the organization to improve his place give him tips of what could happen. So because of that, I sent him some notes and letters and things about what he, I thought he should do to improve the facility and make a better life for the animals and better life towards the conservation movement. So you guys developed a relationship right then. Um, it seems like obviously once he got, once he got his own thing going, yeah, there was a lot of ego involved in it. And then it also, you know, He's a, he had a couple of boyfriends over there who didn't seem exactly to be homosexual, which is fine, dude. Who knows what anybody's doing, you know? Like, But Crazy do you land. think that – oh, yeah. <laughs> well, look, man, I grew up right down the street from the fair. They used to come to our town, so I used to hang out with a lot of wildcats like that. But do you think that Joe was really – there's a lot of drug-induced homosexuality that occurred over there. And sometimes I personally wonder if Joe was really homosexual. Do you think that he was? Man, he he seemed that, you know, more hardline. He's such a chameleon. But he had that edge where, like, you know, uh, every man that walks by, it's that exaggerated thing, you know. Every guy that walks by, they're just like, oh, yeah, look, check him out. Look at that guy. Look at those jeans. Look at that. Look at those shoulders. He, <laughs> he was on that vibe, you know, just kind of like you were when you were 14, checking out girls and talking the inappropriate smack. He was yeah. doing that. 
pretty much as a, as a regular thing. I think Joe had a very difficult childhood and is just yeah. one of those guys that rolled out of childhood in his own traumatized way and that he found solace in being an outrageous gay character. And he and he, he did that finger snapping outrageous kind of stuff. But on the side, man, he seemed like cuddling up with boys was uh, his thing. And I don't mean underage boys. I just mean the younger, no. pretty guys that were around him. He liked those guys. You know, I saw you talking a little bit about Travis. Travis was like a, a big, giant, teddy bear guy. He did not seem like a gay guy. He seemed like a guy that was just like missing love and peace and understanding in his life and and had come from a broken home things weren't right and joe filled that space with all kinds of parts and pieces and made it made it work out yeah it's a little bit of the dark arts man it's like you know a lot of times i i do i you know i think i blame joe a little bit it's like oh man you really it seems like he took advantage of these of this of that young man but then somebody at some, I mean, but then it's all a chain of, th of events. Somebody took advantage of Joe or treated him wrong. It's just um, that kind of stuff just goes on and on. That's big choices. I mean, there's, by the time you say, hey, I'm going to have a relationship with this mullet-wearing <laughs> man, you've crossed the line. You yeah. Know? Well, you did. And I don't think he held anybody down. Travis was <laughs> a man mountain. No one was forcing that guy what to do. He crossed the line and said, yeah. I guess I'll hold on to that for you. Yeah, I guess I'll, <laughs> yeah. guess I'll hold on to that for you with my mouth, brother. That's what they're saying a lot of times. Here's something goes down. What um, what about the filmmaking? That's one thing that we don't see uh, that we're not able to get an insight from as a viewer um, of you guys' documentary. What about the filmmaker Eric Good, about the production group? Did it seem like they came in with one agenda and serviced a different one? Or, or, or what, what were your thoughts about them? For, that, for them right now, I, I've been advised to not talk about them because oh, okay. it, it's gotten to that point where it may, it may get litigation or something going on. So they said, oh, don't, don't, don't give any whatabouts, what ifs about that whole situation. I see that Joe is suing for $94 million in the New York Post today, right? Or the Times, I don't remember which one. $94 million. That, that, that might help get him out of the clink. Yeah, man. What if isn't that the perfect Joe amount though? Ninety four million. Ninety four million. That's that. That changed everything for Joe. At what least for some, a few years. You know, Joe kind of reminds me of like kind of like a gay Wyatt Earp kind of or like a get like there's there's such a he he first of all he for me he like reclassifies what a gay man could be like it's like okay now a gay man has guns he's like a you know he's got this kind of like. Clint East, like really busted kind of Clint Eastwood vibe. What are a few things that you that you admire about Joe, or things that we see in Joe that we don't that we don't get uh, exactly from the documentary? Where did you grow up? What 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 state were you in? I grew up in Louisiana. Louisiana. So maybe maybe it was different there. I grew up in Arizona on the Mexico border. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and going between Mexico and, and, the, and the South and, and being a cowboy in California. And there were gay cowboys around. You know, there were hardcore gay cowboys that looked like cowboys, like Joe. Mm -hmm. And there were untoting guys that uh, just had that edge to them um, that, where they just swung both ways. I think that Joe kind of is emulating that because he's 55 or so. So he's from a little yeah. bit old, a little era before. Um, I think Joe had good intentions. 
of what he was doing. I think Joe loved the party. And I think Joe was looking for a, a party where he could be the king of that party. And there is no doubt that having exotic animals, even just from a little monkey to a big old tiger with you, creates a something flashy that will draw someone to you and makes a great icebreaker for that situation. Now, the was responsibility it, that comes with it is so great that it will wash it all away. But you, a lot of time it takes people a long time to figure out the flash of the tiger comes with an, a, a massive amount of responsibility and time and that the tiger is not going to act like a dog unless you become a world-class trainer, which then requires thousands of hours and then takes away the party again. Mm. You know, so I think he was just wishing – but you know what I think Joe wished the most and did the most is Joe wanted to be Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. That's his mentor in his mind, I would say, far more. I think I he wanted to be, be like Siegfried and boys, guys. I think. Yeah, just, just to have that, you know, wow factor, you know. And that's why he did the magic and did other things. And I think that all of that was part of what he was chasing. Um, you know, he he looked like a really hard worker, though, Doc. I will say that. And that's just the perception I get. Was he a hard worker? I think he was I think he was working very hard at a very difficult thing that would not he could not keep that ship going. I think that he's got a nice ship. They poked a bunch of holes in it and goes the one back there with the bucket <laughs> slinging water out as fast as he can. But that ship is going down. Yeah, yeah. He's working his ass off to sling the water out. He's got people right next to him that are drilling holes. Carol's <laughs> got people on the other side drilling holes. Peter's on the other side, and then the animal people that he met and the other con men, shysters, and losers that got locked up, they're drilling holes, and Joe's back there going, can't be that bad. He's got a bucket. He's going crazy, slinging it over the side, doesn't even realize that it sunk until uh, they closed that big metal door behind him to ching, you know? Should, he, should Joe Exotic be in prison? I would guess... A, certainly a portion of the stuff that they say he did wrong, he did some of it. I would not have been shocked if they gave him time served, right? That's what I thought. Well, it might even be there because he sat there for a long time being locked up without being guilty of anything, which always seems strange when that happened. <laughs> so he's locked up all that time. He's suffering. He's, a, he's not the healthiest guy, and he's feeling bad in there. And I, I thought something would go. I'm shocked that he got 22 years. I think it's a um, – Sign of the times of just, you know, people uh, saying that he's gone really too far, that the things that he did wrong are too big. But I, I'm really not sure that they were near as big as other criminals in our system, many of whom are even our politicians we elected and put in office that I think cross a line far more uh, heinous than anything that Joe's done. And they all they float by. So the legal system is really hard. I think if Joe was had top-notch attorney, but have spent a few million dollars on his defense, his sentence would have been far lighter. When, when, you, look, um, when you look back at your time, uh, obviously as a, as a cat owner, as a, you know, an animalologist, I don't know all the best words a lot of times, but when you look back That's at your time, you know, um, you know, interacting with wildlife, uh, what is something that you want to be remembered for when your time here in this realm is done? 
How should people rem- remember Doc Antle? can have the, the, our place that we're trying to hold in Sumatra declared a national park. Hey, Doc. Yeah, there you are. Okay, great. We just have one more minute and we'll be all finished. Thank you so much. I'm all good. I got all the time in the world. I, I just, I'm sorry to be, I don't know if it's happening on your end and my end. I, I think it's gone both ways. It's probably the government. <laughs> it could be the government doesn't want us talking. You, who knows? It's Carol. It's it Carol. Dan- That's what the hell it is. Hey, big, hey, cat, hey, cats and kittens. This is Carol from Big Cat Rescue. Oh, cats my and God. My God. Spooky, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear it. Did you ever meet her husband that is that is uh, deceased, her previous husband? No, sir. Never met him. Not, not, they're in, they were in such a different, strange world of buying and selling pets. You know, I was zoo guy. They're out there in the pet trade. And they just took their pet trade and flipped it into rescue, took all the animals that they already had and said, we rescued these and just made it all part of a big old scam that ran along. And I think they picked up a few animals in need here and there, but I think a whole lot of it is a massive misrepresentation. There's 12 animals there, 12 cats, 12 big cats. It seems like it's interesting, yeah. Like since they run on donation instead of selling the the service, they're able to provide the donation. I guess the the service for free because they run on donation. And they run as a zoo. I mean, you can pay thirty, forty bucks an expensive zoo. You right. can pay thirty or forty bucks and go through there. Tens of thousands of people visit the facility every year and pay. The ads often say the world's greatest collection of big cats when it's. It's not 10% of what happens here. It's not even yeah. close. We have all of the big cats here. She has just a couple lonely tigers and a lonely lion and just a few things. Yeah, and a donkey. Somebody said it's even, one of them is a donkey in a costume, I heard. So a lot of fictional <laughs> animals there. Um, who's the real Tiger King, Doc? Well, if there is a Tiger King, you know, uh, I, I don't know who he is. You know, I mean, I am a Tiger guy. And I've always been the tiger guy trying to keep these incredible creatures at their peak of health to be a a baseline to save them as the future is coming along because there are just none left. I virtually don't know anybody left that I could have any relationship with to even barter, sell, borrow, move tigers back and forth with. That business has faded in America and even in the zoos. It's not profitable. It's not there. And tigers are really on a crash course of not enough genetics and not enough places to go, even in North America. And that incredible blither that there are more tigers in America than there are in the wild is 100% a lie. Really? There may be be a thousand or so tigers in America, but there are certainly not 5,000. There are hundreds of tigers in private zoos. There are maybe dozens of people in the entire country that would have a tiger somehow and not have a federal oversight USDA zoo license called an exhibitor's license. It's unheard of. So a lot of misleading information, a lot of misleading information in the documentary. Oh, endless misleading information about the stats of, of big cats and how, where they are and that there's, that there's somehow a risk of first responders. Where the heck is it? If there's 10,000 of them hidden out there, you'd hear about it all day long. Yeah. You know, if they were really out there, then you'd, you'd know people still, especially in rural, the rural south and places that would have a tiger. Oh, yeah. I passed a law in South Carolina 
preventing people from having pet big cats, great apes and bears, just because there was such a hassle. But everybody always said, man, that state is wide open. They're buying and selling and trading tigers. We passed a law that gave complete exemption to everybody to be able, if you had one, you're exempt, but you got to register. If you, you got grandfathered in with that animal. You can keep it until it dies. You can't ever get another one. Wow. Went to every sheriff, every law enforcement person all across the state. We passed that law in the January of 18. How many tigers, lions, bears showed up? Zero. Wow. Nobody showed up because there were none in the state. And there was at least one somewhere. Of course, there isn't because no <laughs> one does that. It was, oh, yeah. it was more popular in the 80s and 90s. But by the new millennium, it faded. It's all over Texas. Absolutely not true. Big Cat Census was done about 14 years ago, and they only found 17 unregistered tigers in the state of Texas. I believe that. That sounds more realistic. You know, thousands is a crazy thing. They eat a lot. I feed a yeah. thousand pounds every day. You need at least 10 to 15 pounds of good meat every day. That's a burden. That's yeah. a hell of a freezer. That's all kinds of things that you like to change. Um, Doc, and I appreciate it so much. I, I feel like I learned a lot about exactly kind of what's going on in the tiger community. I definitely get a, a stronger perception of the business of how you guys are more of like a small business and how across all, uh, all facets of business in America, a lot of small businesses are really being shut down or being, um, you know, cornered in by laws and this and that. One last question. Do you have to spend a lot of money in attorney fees every year to kind of, uh, keep yourself open? I would say I don't spend near as much in attorney's fees as we do in people helping us talk to decision makers, policy makers in lobbying, Washington, trying to get people to understand lobbying. of You could call it that just trying right. to get out there, make the message happen. I go to Washington numerous times. It was right there in Tiger King is I go and I hold meetings and I go to benefits and I go places and I speak to people about the incredible importance of tigers being alive into the next century into the next millennium you'd hope and i'm there you know and carol was on there going yeah he beat us to the office and those people don't want to see her walk through the door and hear some whiny oh. baloney about her version of big cats it's a it's a great big misrepresentation i'm there just telling you the truth this is an incredibly precious character that needs to exist your right to touch him is incredible here you go i brought tigers to congress had him walking through yeah. the halls of Congress, meeting everybody. And the, the congressmen were so excited. They had 700 people in line one day. Damn. They said, you can ask me, Bono came. Bono didn't get a fraction of the blast that the Tiger <laughs> Cubs got because everybody is in love with them by just contact, by idea. A tiger is a blessing. It's an incredible character. And if somebody wants to change anything about it, change something about how – the regulations are about care and what happens to them. That you could enforce different rules. But because of that is exactly how the other wild character that you see in uh, uh, Tiger King, um, Tim Stark. Oh, he's yeah. He's with them about care. They say his care wasn't proper. Because they say his care wasn't proper, he doesn't get to have tigers anymore. That's not uncommon. It's far more common that they take people's right to have a tiger and that they somehow say, oh, yeah, those guys just can keep them. It's just not done. But those the, the crazies are trying to say that they're everywhere. They're, they're hiding out. Yeah, they always there. do that about everything. It's about everything. And they're everywhere. Yep. Yeah. 
they're everywhere. Cop. They're all yeah. Everything's every. It's everywhere. It's in your house. Exactly. Yeah, there's sex trafficking in your backyard. I'm like, no, they're not. I don't have a yard. It's always it's everywhere. Um, they love people love to be fanatic, right? Extremism they really do, man. Popular notion, and that extremism was focused on us a bit throughout the the, the show. If there's somehow, some way, something inappropriate going on, which is why they attacked us on the silliest dang fronts, that somehow it's got something to do with a cult. Like, there's no ritual here. We're not yeah. burning incense. We're not out there doing anything. There's no one applying to work in some way that's inappropriate or unique. The only thing that I'm culty about is I believe that I stretch and do yoga and I get hurt less. And when I have a giant tiger jump on me, if I have stretched that morning, it hurts a lot less than if I haven't stretched that morning. Yeah. There's the edge of the cult there is <laughs> yoga for impact of tigers climbing on you. You know, and that, that's it. And Cody does the same thing. You want to be warmed up and ready. Going out and having a great time with a tiger is still a boxing match. It wow. is very extreme. So well, it's we, just that crazy stuff. Well, we love, look, I appreciate the time. And I hope to, as soon as I, uh, America's back up and running and I'm over in South Carolina, I want to come through and take a tour of the facility and, and get to meet you guys in person. Uh, I appreciate the behind the scenes. This gives me a better uh, interpretation kind of of what's going on over there and just kind of a little bit more knowledge uh, or, you know, your point of view of what's happening in the tiger world. And um, just want to thank you and, uh, and thank Cody as well. All good stuff. Yep. And Bali and Sagree with the Chimp Brothers to come out and say hi. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I think you got a couple of chimps waiting on dinner, so uh, I don't want to keep you guys all night, but I, I, I'll certainly encourage our viewers and listeners to get over there and check out your facility when it's back open, and, um, and thank you guys for taking care of those animals over there. Thank you very much. Coming here is like no place on earth. Love to see you. Come on. All right, we'll do it, Doc. Cody, be good, bro. Gang, man. Thank you. Cheers, man. Thank you. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can feel it in my bones But it's gonna take a little time For me to set that parking brake and let myself all wild shine that light on me. I'll sit and tell you my stories. Shine on me. And I will find a song. I will sing it just for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. 
Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Do you know what I mean? I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.